Thank you for joining me on episode 83 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus, and we are all creating unique on purpose, you and I. And one of the ways you and I get to know how we were uniquely created is by getting to know God. The more we know God and his characteristics, the more we get to know ourselves. Naomi Craig is helping people do this very thing through her biblical historical fiction books. She takes different portions of scripture and brings them to life for you to better understand different biblical events, which then in turn can help you better understand God. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast, where we travel to Arizona with Naomi, a wife, mom, pastor's wife, as well as author, which is really kind of what we're going to dig into a little bit today. But Naomi, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you. I, I hate to be that stereotypical person that asks about the weather, but I have to know what it's like in Arizona right now, because <laughs> in, even in northern Michigan, I feel like I'm dying with the heat and the humidity. So I got to know, I got to know what it's like for you. <laughs> you want to feel better about yourself. Well, um, thankfully I'm in the Southeastern mountains of Arizona. I'm in globe. So I'm not in Phoenix where it's like open the oven and melt your face off. at the hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I think Phoenix just bre- broke a record of 30 days over 110. So do you have- I'm really glad I'm no, I'm not there. <laughs> Do you have that family that hunts for scorpions? I know people in in Arizona hunt for scorpions, and I just think that's the weirdest thing. Do you do that? Uh, no, but uh, friends of ours, um, previous friends of ours, they used to go around, I guess, nightly and like with their little black light and hunt for scorpions. So <laughs> that creeps me out so much. I did an interview with a friend of mine, children's pastor in Arizona, and that's what they do. Him and his kids, they go out and they hunt for scorpions. And I just, I don't know if the only reason why I would hunt for scorpions is so I could set them on fire. I have no, but that's being spoiled living in northern Michigan. We don't have anything crazy like yeah that. well i guess if if you don't hunt the scorpions they might hunt you so <laughs> right right <laughs> well i want to dig in to you being an author because you're a specific type of author and that is you do biblical historical fiction and there's not a whole lot of those books out there but before we talk about that share a little bit with me your jesus story <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was um, raised in a Christian home. I became a Christian at age four, so I'm told. I did it by myself. So I'm, I'm kind of a. So I'm told. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember it, but uh, you know, I'm kind of. I went out in the backyard and um, and prayed to the Lord and asked Him to be my Savior at that point. And um, and and you know, but then I, I really at going into college. Um, I made him my Lord, you know, like, I, I want you to be the boss of my life. So, um, you know, since then, um, it's, you've got your ups and downs of, of your Christian walk, you know, but I, um, recently I've been really loving seeing like God's presence, how he was like involved with Moses directly, you know, and, um, the tent of meeting and up on the mountain, his, his presence was very tangible, but then even in the new Testament with the Holy spirit, with God's presence. And so I just love seeing how that all connects. And lately that's what the Lord's been speaking to me about, about his presence being with me. Um, 
and to look for that, you know, and to not just kind of wander through life, but to actually be aware of God's presence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's hard for a lot of people to do, yes. to come with that, yeah. to, to really look for that awareness. So really, it was college that you kind of made Jesus your own. It wasn't, this is my yes. parents' relationship with the Lord. Oh, I have to figure yes. this out for myself and it be my relationship. Yes, absolutely. So. I mean, that was also a long time ago, so yeah. thankfully, yeah, for me thankfully, too. <laughs> um, I'm still, I'm still learning, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my husband is a pastor, so I'm very involved with, um, with church and, and, uh, I work with the kids, it's a small church, so I work with kids and the youth and then audiovisual team. So, um, and I, it's, it's easy to get, um, in the midst of doing ministry yes. without, seeking the Lord's presence. So, um, I want to, I want to be on guard for that in this season, you know, that Mm -hmm. I'm really, first of all, submitting to the Lord and, um, and acknowledging his presence and letting him work in my life, you know, and not just kind of doing it on my own because, you know, that doesn't work so hot. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't need, and it doesn't really matter what size your church is because if, yeah, if you're a larger church, okay, you, you have larger problems, but the smaller church it's, you have to be that Jack of all trades. Like you just said, you're doing kids ministry, you're doing youth ministry, you're doing the visual and audio. I mean, you, because I was a pastor for a long time too. Like I get it. I understand that you are, you almost feel as though you have to be an expert and everything so how in the world you are creating time to write these books i have no idea (laughs) obviously from the lord but i want to know what led you to want to write biblical historical fiction uh yeah so i really just love reading the bible and finding those random tidbits about um the stories real people in the bible that oh did you know about the left-handed assassin who killed a a beast fat king like mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah <laughs> or what about the iron axe head that floated you know i just love picking up on those little tidbits or or um after elisha the prophet was already dead and his he was bones like somebody put a dead body next to his bones to hide from a raider's and the dead body came back to life. Like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> yeah, and those are the stories that we can easily glaze over, even though that's yes. amazing. There's just sometimes in Scripture we glaze over what is supposed to be incredibly significant. Yeah, and maybe it was maybe it was commonplace for them, but then it's still like, huh, that's pretty cool. You know, so I love, I love all that trivia. And um, it actually started, um, I was, my first book is called Rahab's Courage. It's about Rahab and um, how she hid the spies and uh, affiliated it with Israel and um, became part of their culture. Um, but at first I was reading that and I was like, wonder if, you know, <laughs> I wonder if one of those unnamed spies that she hid turned out to be her her later, her biblical husband, you Salma. Know, there are a lot of theologians that, that believe that. You know, so it was, it just kind of, I had no writing experience. Mm-hmm. I went with that idea. Um, I had to kind of went online to um, learn all kinds of things. You know, they come find lots of cool stuff online and like how to make story structure and how to, how to do that. But I just love seeing, um, even more since I've been writing for a while, I love seeing that they're real people, you know, it's easy, like you said, to glaze over, um, this person did this, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, even ge- uh, geography, I've become so much more aware of yes. 
um, northern Israel and Judah and then Babylon, like, it's easy to just kind of gloss through, like, um, you know, because you're supposed to be reading the Bible and you get the Lord ministers to you through that, but it's easy to gloss through. But if you like really figure out, hold on, what's, what, why are they doing, what made them make this choice? Why did this woman Rahab commit treason to hide Israelite spies? What, what did she know? Mm -hmm. You know, but then, um, and she is, she's a hero of the faith. You know, her courage is so um, amazing. It's even talked about to the new, new Testament and she's part of the Lord Jesus's line. But I mean, she didn't probably didn't become like a super believer overnight. You know what I mean? Like for me, I wish that was the case, but I have to go through things a lot and yeah. again and again. Um, so I just, um, the Bible says she was a prostitute and, and so at that time, um, you know, I was just really aware of even um, sex slavery here in the United States, you know. And so, like, there's going to be a lot of baggage right. that she's going to have to work through, you know, even if she wants to be, you know, make a complete cold turkey change, mm -hmm. you know. But then also, what about the Israelites? She's trying to assimilate into their culture. But then just across the Jordan, um, like 20, I believe 24,000 of their number were, were wiped out for associating with prostitutes. Mm -hmm. So why, why would this, this nation of Israel who were kind of hypervigilant because they had just come off of their, their parents had, um, you know, most of the parents didn't make it right. The 40 years of yeah. that whole generation died in the wilderness and so here we have the new one and they're like we're not going to make the same mistakes some of them did and then okay yeah we're definitely not making those mistakes so what what is their reaction to let's bring a harlot into our right. number like, <laughs> yes yeah that's gonna that's gonna go over real well you know um, unfortunately we we um we're not very nice all the time mm -hmm. people. <laughs> you know, and I've always so. wondered that too about her story. How was she treated five, 10 years right. down the road? Her son was Boaz. Was he right. made fun of as a kid? Like, I know what your mom used to do, but I always felt as though Ra the one of the big heroes of Rahab's story, not just Rahab, but the guy who married her. I don't remember uh -huh. his name, Simon or Simeon. Salma. Salma, Salma thank or you. Salman, yes. yes, depending thank you. on which uh, version or part in the bible it's yeah. um, salma or salmon but i always thought what a hero of him because he probably yeah. could have had any woman and yet he chooses this redeemed woman and a right. lot of people nowadays if we if if a guy marries someone who is redeemed and has a past it's not seen as that huge of a deal but back then right I, that was yeah. huge to bring yeah. this woman into your home and marry her who has this this pagan yeah. past. Yeah. And so he was also, um, the leader of the tribe of Judah. Mm. Um, his father, his father was the leader coming out of Egypt. And so he's, he's kind of got everybody's eyes on him, but I imagine he would have had a real hard time too. You know, like you think it's going to be, yeah, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to rescue her. But then you don't realize, Oh, I'm rescuing her from, this past mm -hmm. like that's got a way on him too so right he, he goes through a journey just like she does um and you know unfortunately i can kind of relate with him more because 
he's kind of got like how I imagined him. He was kind of, if you know, a couple thousand years later, he would have been a real good Pharisee, Mm -hmm. like like adhere to the law. Um, And then, so he has, he has a journey um, that he has to, you know, find grace and he has to, you know, they have to work together. So what what was the point where you're reading the story of Rahab and you say, yep, I need to write a book about this. (laughs) <laughs> um, like I said, just seeing, hey, hmm, I wonder if one of those spies could have been um, Salma that's mentioned in, in Ruth, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. as they're giving, as they're giving um, Boaz's lineage, lineage there. So, And that was it? You were just like, okay, well, I'm going to write a book then. I'm going to write a book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes that's just all you need. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I love that you write historical fiction because I feel as though... And, and this was the way Jesus taught. Jesus taught in stories. He taught in parables. Right. And because we can easily glaze over scripture, do you think that historical fiction helps us understand the Bible better? Yes. I, for me, I feel it does. Um, I know some people are um, wary to read it because we shouldn't be messing with the Bible. And I totally support that. I don't want to ever add anything or take away from the Bible. That's my first my first um, source as I'm researching and all that, but Mm -hmm. um, you can see the culture. You can see um, why did this person make this choice that they did? Um, They're real people. They're not just a name and a lineage. They're um, real people with um, a past maybe, or something special in them that the Lord chose to use that submission to the Lord. And, and they, they just tried to do the best, you know, and, and they fell. But I think seeing that, you know, and seeing it where you can kind of see a little bit more of the big picture, it helps me so much to understand um, why was this battle so important or why why were the people doing um, this, this action or why was that offensive mm-hmm. to to the Lord or whatever. So yeah, for me, it really helps to paint a clearer picture of what these real people did in the Bible. And I understand your heart of, yes, we don't want to add or take away from the Bible. And and I, I completely get that. But what I've learned over the years in communication, and maybe you can speak to this, is that you have to speak to all five senses of an individual. You can't just speak to the eyes where you read it. If you're going to communicate, you need to bring in sound. You need to bring in taste in a way. You need to bring in all of those other senses in order to communicate. Because we're not just seeing people. Right. We're not just hearing people. So if we can bring the colors of what Rahab was wearing, if we can bring in the smells of the the burning wood fire, campfire or whatever, it, it does bring that yeah. alive and it helps Martha. you to understand more. I'm a firm believer that all of us are created unique on purpose, but I think that in order for us to understand our uniqueness as individuals, we need to understand the Bible more. And the more we get to know God, the more we understand what's in scripture, the more we'll understand ourselves. Do you feel as though that's what, in a sense, you're doing with your books? Yes, I definitely, I find myself um, learning what, or um, working through what the, what the characters are going through. And I feel that that brings me closer to the Lord. Um, I can see his goodness 
as I'm as I'm researching, um, and then I can and then it's it just comes out in what the character has to learn, or you know, again, sometimes it's it's vice versa. It's what I have to learn, and then the character learns it. You know? right. So, um, yeah, absolutely, because then we can we can. I think the more we know about God, um, the bigger He is, and then we can kind of put ourselves in that right. Um, that right place before him and we can be who he created us to be mm-hmm. because we understand what we've, what he's called on us and then the greater picture of who he is. Mm-hmm. What does your writing process look like? I know that that is a, a, a huge question. So if you have to break that down, that's fine. But what does that <laughs> look like to you? Cause everybody's writing process, every author's writing process is different. Yeah, yeah. So I, there is a lot of research, um, being that it's ancient historical. I have to be. My first resource is the Bible. I want to be reading. You know, is this mentioned somewhere else in the Bible? Um, so sometimes I'll, I'll go online and find like a timeline. Um, for my my second book is Ezekiel Song. It's about the prophet Ezekiel, and his um, he is he is mentioned as having a wife. So. Um, and so, so what, but also what we don't necessarily see when we're reading the Bible straight through is that it kind of staggers, like Jeremiah is a contemporary of Ezekiel, so it kind of layers um, where, you know, so um, some of the stuff in Jeremiah has happened at the same time as Ezekiel, um, and then also some, some of the stuff in Daniel, you know, that sort of thing. So to find the timeline of, of this happened here, um, and then, you know, then I can cross-reference and find and find the supporting um, story in a different book or whatever. Um, so that's where I'll start. And then I'll um, there's ancient historical documents like Josephus. There's um, my current book is is basically set at the end of at the end of Genesis. And so, you know, that's where they're in Egypt. So there's Egyptian documentation, there's Babylonian documentation. So you can kind of see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it's really cool too, like to see the Jewish tradition and their take on some of the stories. And I love how, um, you know, Egyptian history or Babylonian or um, Jewish history, like it corroborates the Bible. I like, it's, just, yes. it's really neat to see um the Bible coming to life in, in other documentation. And it's not just, it's not just our religious holy book. It's also history. So I love, I love seeing it when that happens. Um, And then I, I just, I just, uh, so once I've, I like to do the research, like I, I really, that's That's a fun process for you. Yeah. I love learning that new stuff, but I also, I also don't feel like I'm, ready to write until I've fully immersed myself in the world or, mm-hmm. you know, watched a million, um, a million different things on YouTube about what that culture could have been like or documentaries. That's what, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then, um, and then I'll try to do a brief outline of where I think the story should go. You know, if the, if the Bible is more detailed on this, then that kind of makes easy points of where, um, like, the whole range of the story. Um, my current book has only got five five verses, so um, I had to. But then the time frame kind of sent me back to, like I said, to Genesis, and so you kind of you can kind of see who somebody is based off of 
their family. Um, so I, I do a brief outline and then I just try to bust out some, some words and make that, that outline come into um, a story. So is the story something you are bringing in or is this a story? I, okay, let me rephrase that. Maybe that's not the right term. Is the, the plot, the problem, something that you have gotten from scripture or is it something that you're adding in to create a story? Um, you know, it really varies. Like I said, depending on how much is mentioned in the scriptures directly. Mm-hmm. Um, for Ezekiel, we've got a whole book. Yes. Um, and like I said, Jeremiah is a contemporary um, and... So that part, um, you know, what with Ezekiel, I just I was reading through my Bible, and there's so much happening in Ezekiel. That one is really easy to just kind of glaze over because, <laughs> I mean, there's there's the wheel within the wheel. There's the four faced angels. There's the valley of the dry bones. But who? What does it all mean? Is it for here? Is it for you know? Is it prophecy for Jerusalem? Is it prophecy for the new kingdom? Like, okay, yeah, I've read it, done. You know, but then I started reading through it, and um, in the first, so I then I realized that's where the geography is helpful because he's already an exile into Babylon when he's called to his prophetic ministry, mm-hmm. and his primary audience is for people back in Jerusalem, um, which in and of itself would have been hard. Um, that's a world away at that time. And so then he, as he's called into prophetic ministry, the Lord also um, binds him. He's paralyzed for he one day for each year that Israel has strayed, and one day for each year that Judah has strayed. So now he's kind of bound, paralyzed on one side or the other um, for 14 months. How is he going to get that message back to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and wait, wait, there's more. He's also struck mute without, unless there's a direct word from the Lord that he puts in his mouth for mm-hmm. seven years. Wow. How does he get, what, how does this work? You know, but then he is one of the prophets who's mentioned as having a wife. Um, hers is only like two verses, but um, so the wife is um, her backstory and her name. That's all my imagination. But uh, so then I was like, okay, now I can understand this a little bit better because I've been in a place where my husband had to, um, with his full-time job and part-time at the church, I had to step up when he wasn't able to do as much. Um, mm-hmm. So I can kind of understand that from a ministry point. So then it really, the, her, the, um, the wife character just really came and flowed for me because I'm like, I can, I can relate to this. <laughs> I, so I is that this, why lady. you picked her? Because I mean, your yeah. characters, obviously Rahab is way more well known, but then the other two books that you have written, I, I mean, I never heard of these, these two women before. So yeah. did you just <laughs> see that Ezekiel had a wife and you're, and you just said, Oh, I relate to her so much. I have to write yeah. about her. Is that how kind of how yeah. it went down? Yep, that's how it went down. It was like I can, I can totally understand. She needs to have her story told. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. and then the, all three books you call Yahweh's legacy. What is that? What do you mean by that? Um, so really, there's like they, they're all standalones. Um, they're not related in any way. And so sometimes, actually, this is from a marketing point of view, it's easier to market a series. Okay. So um, when I got contracted for Rahab and two concessional books it was they were I was already in the middle of writing Ezekiel and it was it so it's just it's um 
it's the way to tie them together without them actually being related. (laughs) So (laughs) I could cover anywhere. And I didn't know what book three was at that point. So I could cover anyone in the Old Testament and and put it into that series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's still it's still the lo- the legacy that the Lord has built through His people that's very prevalent in in all the books is how the Lord brings out their unique on purpose calling. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the legacy of following the Lord and and loving Him and you know, making a, making a difference in your own little part of the world. So the covers are absolutely beautiful, but I want to know, is there, you have Yahweh legacy book three, which I'm, I'm looking at right now. Will there be more a part of this legacy series or are you going to do something different? Um, so that's the end of my three book series. Um, but I am, I am going into, I have a new Testament Mm. book that I'm co-writing. Um, yeah, so this is, it's a group of four, um, novellas that are interwoven. I'm writing with my good friend Donna Elaine, um, but we're looking at how Saul transferred from Christian hater to you know super apostle. Right. <laughs> so, but from the perspective of 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 the people around him. So the first one is Stephen, and then we have Ananias of Damascus, and then Barnabas, and then Tabitha, and just how. They are all interactive and they kind of weave together. Mm-hmm. So it will read as one one story, but it's four different. So will Paul stories. be throughout those books then? Yes, yes. Oh. So yeah, he really gets involved. Um, so with Stephen, of course, that we don't see a whole lot of we don't see a whole lot of Paul interaction mm-hmm. because you know that's right at the tail end of Stephen's life. Um, but then as the church scatters then Ananias of Damascus is the one who has to pray for Saul when he is blind and forgive him, basically. So we've got that. And then Barnabas. Barnabas is pretty easygoing. He's known as the encourager, the son of encouragement. So he's kind of developed into like the one to see the best in everybody. And, and actually the scripture says he's the one who presented Saul to the disciples back in, in Jerusalem to um, welcome in, in, him in as a Christian. Of course, nobody believes him. Like, who would, right? Because right. he was such a horrible, horrible person. But, um, you know, the Lord really did an about faith in his life. And and thankfully, because we have so much of the New Testament because of, because of Saul, you know, and Paul. So, yeah, so it's really cool. It's called And Their Numbers Grew, based off of how in Acts everyone, like, would say how they shared the gospel people believed and their numbers grew. So, you know, listening, listening to you talk, I, there is so much in the new Testament written by Paul, but I have never read anything historically or biblical historical fiction on Paul. Nothing. Yeah. So this is going to be incredible. I am really looking forward to that series. I can't wait to really get my hands on your Yahweh legacy, but before we end, let's dig in a little bit to the last book of Yahweh's legacy. And you are going to have to pronounce that name for me. Is it, I, I keep <laughs> wanting to say She-Ra, like he means it's She-Ra, but that can't be right. Or is that it? She's not the, she's not the 80s uh, cartoon lady. Yeah. <laughs> but She-Ra, yeah. Um, it is so She-Ra? She-Ra, yeah. Okay. She-Ra's legacy. Um, and um, so, she yeah. She has so more clothes on than the 80s. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's 
She got, what, her, what was her partner, He-Man or something? He-Man. I don't, I don't even know. Oh, yes. Because yeah. I grew up in, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so I watched, I watched He-Man, He-Man and She-Ra every, all the time. <laughs> well, this lady, <laughs> she's only mentioned um, for, her story is five verses in First Chronicles 7, and she is in that, like, it's just a, it's a genealogy, so it's like a brief, it's a brief reroute from the genealogy, but in that five verses, we learn her brothers get themselves killed for cattle wrestling. Mm. There's a, a late in life baby. There's so she is Ephraim's daughter. So that's Joseph's oh, granddaughter. Okay. Um, and so she's, she, there's great mourning when the, when the brothers are killed, Ephraim and his wife have a, a that late in life baby. And then Shira builds three cities. And then we go back to the genealogy. But it's really interesting because two of those cities are still standing today. And she built those. She built those, yep. Oh, my goodness. And this is, again, this is what I love about biblical historical fiction because I don't know who she is. I've read the book of Joseph and Kron. You know, I've read all of that. But I don't remember her name. Yeah, because she's just kind of tucked away there in a genealogy. But, yeah, so since she's Ephraim's daughter, um, that's Joseph down in Egypt. Um, and so you kind of can find some of that from the end of Genesis. Um, and really, it's it's not unplausible to say that that people could go back, the, the Hebrews could go back up to Canaan, um, during that time, they weren't slaves yet until Exodus, and that's, you know, probably 400 years later. Um, so, and then Joseph is still widely respected. He respected, he probably served under more than one pharaoh. Mm. Um, so, and then his wife was Egyptian. Um, so we've got, Shira is at least one quarter Egyptian. Um, and so we've got the Egyptian influence. We've got the Hebrew influence. So she can kind of she kind of picks and chooses, like <laughs> which part of her culture she feels like um, using. <laughs> yeah, whatever's going to um, benefit her at the moment. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, so I how I have them getting back up to Canaan to build these cities is that Pharaoh is wanting an outpost or something, you know? So, so because if you remember during the seven year famine. Um, Egyptians gave their land. Um, we have no, nothing less, less to pay for the grain, so we're going to give you our land. You know, so I imagine, because it was worldwide at that time, I imagine other people would have kind of signed over their land too. Or, you know, it, Pharaoh kind of had a makings of an empire. I don't think they called it that back then, but, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of, he had, because of how Joseph saved everywhere from the famine, it seemed like they had the goodwill, um, so they had the freedom to go up, back up to Canaan. Um, but if you recall, like, we've got so many generations in this family where the younger sibling is highly favored and mm-hmm. the older one is is overpassed. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Ephraim is high, higher than Manasseh. We've got Joseph is higher than his ten brothers. We've got... Um, Jacob is higher than Esau. We've got, you know what I mean? We've got Isaac is higher than Ishmael. Like all of this, their family dynamics that they're passing down generationally is is kind of that sibling rivalry, like that sort of thing. So I have her dealing with that, and she's also trying to prove herself as an architect 
in a woman's world, in a man's world, excuse me. And <laughs> so the Egyptian women actually did have a little bit more freedom. They were known to run estates and theirs and their husbands. So they had a little bit more independence, I guess. But then also still, can you imagine, um, even probably to this day, like there's probably still some, a woman shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing, right. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing an architect. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but really once, when, when the brothers, the middle brothers get themselves killed for cattle wrestling, it kind of sends the whole camp into this deep despair. And she's, she's so determined to put her mark in the world that she just plows ahead and plans the cities and, and makes it happen. So, so what did you do? You just, you were reading that portion of scripture and because you saw her name, you were just like, yep, that seals it. I'm writing about her. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Just super simple. Nothing spiritual happened. You were just like, I need to write about her. Yeah. Yeah. I did ask, I did ask my publisher if um, I had a couple of options for that third book. And so I asked which one she wanted to see and she said she wanted to see Shira. So um, we went with that and it was really neat to see um, again, how Egyptian history corroborated the Bible. And um, because if I was basing it heavily on Joseph, you know, as he was, excellent in many things the bible said whatever he touched um whatever he did put his hand to he did well so just trying to find out which if he was documented in egyptian history and um i really found like there's several different viziers um who could be the joseph but there's this one gentleman um his name is umhotep and he was the first polymath which is excellent at many things Mm -hmm. um documented and so he saved Egypt from a seven-year famine because of Pharaoh's dream. Sounds familiar, right? And right. He, uh, he was excellent with stonework. He was excellent with alchemy and medicine and astronomy. Like, he was just brilliant, brilliant beyond brilliance in all ways. So there's a little bit of a discussion. Like, so traditionally, his timeline, people say, is too far back. But then lately, some of the scholars have been saying that possible that there were different pharaohs reigning at the same time in different areas so but i mean there's one of the things that was enough i mean it's historical fiction is he the real guy i don't know but um it's enough for me to base my historical fiction off of because um even his um for his seven years of famine he actually created granaries and there's there's one major granary it's all in the ground and so there's 11 other smaller ones that filter into um, this larger granary. And that sounds a lot like your grains are going to bow down to my grain. Mm. You know what I mean? So yes. I, just, I just love it. So, um, so yeah. So, I, so if he was that good at architecture, I'm guessing he mentored his granddaughter, you know, and, and oh. cultivated her unique, her unique ability, um, you know, because they would have had all of the Egyptian resources, all of their knowledge, you know, that sort of thing. So oh my I gosh. had a lot of fun. I cannot <laughs> wait to read this. <laughs> oh, that sounds so awesome. Okay. So how can someone get a hold of those three books, Yahweh's Legacy? Uh, they're available on Amazon. Um, they uh, Yahweh's Legacy, or I'm sorry, Shira's Legacy comes out August 15th. Um, so it's oh, a couple so weeks out, but... 
Yeah, <laughs> but you can pre-order. <laughs> um, yeah, they're available on Amazon, or you can go to naomicraig.com, and then I do have links for all of that. So. Okay, and I'll make sure that I put your website in the show notes as well as where they can follow you and being able to purchase those books. And uh, where can they follow you? You're on Facebook. Are you on Instagram as well? Um, you know what? I'm not. Okay. Back in November, uh, Facebook kind of disabled my account. So I, I um, you know, I, it was it was hard to fight the the uh, algorithms and stuff too. So I am on Facebook. Um, I'm on, um, I host Biblical Fiction Aficionados mm-hmm. um, gr- group on Facebook. And so I'm, I'm hanging out there mostly. So And you have a YouTube channel too, which I'll make sure that I stick, yes. in, the, in, the, stick in the notes. And then you also have, uh, oh, I see. Oh, and their numbers grew. That comes out in November. It does. Oh, I'm thinking this is a long ways away. Well, I'm excited to get my hands on those on those uh, books, too. But again, I'll stick all of that in the show notes so people can get a hold of that. Naomi, is there anything else that you would like to share with us when it comes to really digging into scripture and learning about the uniqueness of of different characters in the Bible? I would love it if my book sent people back to the Bible. Um, Wait, did that really happen? Is there really a lady in there? You know what I mean? Like, check me on this because Mm -hmm. I would just, it's so exciting to dig into God's word and find out that these are real people and not just, not just a name on a timeline, but then also that same God who is present with Joseph, with Shira is present for us now. Mm -hmm. Like I would just, I would just love it if my books would drive people closer to the Bible and then also to the Lord. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Naomi, thank you so much uh, for being here today, for sharing your heart, sharing your writing process, and uh, just what you're doing uh, with these biblical characters. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a true honor. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. I hope this episode sparked an excitement about biblical history and encouraged you to want to dive into the Bible a little deeper. All of Naomi's books that are available are in the show notes. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you back here next time.